0: Welcome to Supply Chain Radio. I'm Greg Kiefer. And once again, I'm here today with John Atherton. John, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me back, Greg.
0: Appreciate it. So today we're going to talk a little bit about mergers and acquisitions in the supply chain. And this will probably date this meeting, but recently there was a pretty big merger between two big food companies, Kraft and Heinz. You heard about that, right, John?
1: Yeah, that's right. Of course, that made headlines this week in terms of their intent to merge those huge entities. But of course, that happens all the time across different industry sectors. And it certainly comes with advantages, but also a lot of complications. Right. I
0: mean, I think anytime you have a merger of two like companies, I'm sure that one of the things they're looking at is to gain efficiencies. And when you think of efficiencies, no greater place for efficiency than the supply chain, right?
1: Yeah, that's certainly one of the high opportunity areas. You know, there are efficiencies in lots of other ways, administrative, financial, but supply chain and related operations are a huge source of cost reduction for these companies when they merge those networks, whether they're fixed assets, such as manufacturing plants or assets that move, like their fleets of trucks and other leased equipment.
0: You you bring up a good point. You know, I I can only imagine that when you think of a fleet of trucks, if these two companies are both shipping their products to the same grocery store in separate loads, separate drivers, separate fuel, bringing that together has got to be a big number if you really think about it.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, you can imagine the common or typical flows around a supply point to a whole series of stores, say, in a region or in a city area that the number of trucks that are going out are high in frequency. You know, many trucks depart every day. And so to the extent that these companies can rationalize and make those less frequent, right, the numbers do add up in the hundreds of thousands of dollars or more. And of course, that's just one vignette around a regional or local supply chain. You take that same model and you apply it to a global and distributed supply and demand network, then you're really talking big bucks.
0: Right, right. Now, I know because we're technologists that that's a really cool vision, but really hard to pull off, due in large part to just technology and hardwired systems, right?
1: Yeah, that's one way to think about it. You know, you think about putting in a new room onto your house and you got to rewire that room with electricity and you bring in the subcontractor who's an expert in that and, you know, it's pretty elaborate. Same goes for technology systems in the supply chain. Commonly, these systems are hardwired together through traditional means like EDI. And it's not easy to rewire that supply chain network to send electricity through it, which would be pulses of information around supply and forecasts and demands. So rewiring that can be very difficult for companies. And those that can achieve a faster way to do that will be far better off and achieve their envisioned value much more quickly.
0: Right. Now, today, you know, the notion of a hardwired system is becoming less common because you've got these modern cloud-based systems, right, which in theory should relieve some of that headache.
1: Yeah, that's the central tenet and idea of that. You know, if you push to a centralized computing model where that technology and the business applications live in one place in the cloud and can be accessed easily, it makes these switching costs much lower than they would have been otherwise. So for a company to unplug a supply plant in China and plug in a new one in Vietnam becomes less complicated far easier to change and therefore opens up this whole strategy around M&A as a welcome advantage rather than a burdened headache.
0: Is it also possible or safe to assume that as these networks, these cloud systems out there grow, you don't even have to rewire a factory or a provider onto your network because they're already on it serving somebody else?
1: Yeah, this is true. You know, Community-based network models, it would often be the case that they're supply base, whether that's manufacturers, transport providers, banks, you know, are already on a community-based platform for another enterprise. And therefore, as a result, the switching costs and times become even more minimized. And this really leads to this central idea and philosophy around agility and flexibility. And so that's sort of the, the holy grail around that, to make those switches immediately, not in days or weeks or months or even years. As a matter of fact, I recall a customer of ours from our company at
0: one of our conferences recently was Dee Slater from Wolverine, which is a footwear company, and they had acquired Hush Puppy Shoes. Because a lot of their suppliers were already on the platform, I think she said that they had the whole thing up and running within 10 months. And that's the kind of thing we're talking about here, right? It's not a multi-year journey.
1: No, not at all. You know, that timescale around multiple years or gosh, even close to a decade is is a little old school. You know, the new approach uh, speaks in time units of weeks and months, days in some cases to turn on data through a community-based platform. And I remember Dee Slater, the CIO from Wolverine, at that presentation talking about the advantages around density of certain industry sectors and communities on platforms, in their case around footwear and apparel.
0: Right. It's not that far from, say, LinkedIn, where, you know, say you take a job in a a new industry and you need to find a bunch of people that are in that space, you can find them pretty quickly and they're all there.
1: Yeah, that's right. LinkedIn's a good example. Of course, Facebook in the consumer world. And so you take those aspects and apply them to the supply chain. And that's where real innovation happens.
0: We started this discussion talking about M&As. And it's funny because, you know, you're out in the field a lot talking to a lot of big companies about supply chain and innovation. And, you know, one of the things we often talk about with these people is things change in your network. And generally it's going to be, there's a new selling region opportunity that you want to take advantage of, or there's a new supplier in a new region that you want to shift things around. I don't think we've ever. the notion you might get merged or acquired, and therefore you want to stay agile.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's been a concept that's been out there for a while, but maybe not hitting the top five or six strategic considerations for supply chain leaders. But it's an emerging trend for sure, kind of more recently here across the globe in in lots of different industries. And it's very much the case that, you know, the supply chain is not a rigid, unchanging thing. Rather than that, its complexion is always changing, very dynamic. And those companies that embrace those with kind of flexible IT strategies will succeed.
0: Right. Well, it'll be interesting to observe and watch and see how these guys do. Thanks, John. This is Greg Kiefer from Supply Chain Radio, signing off.